welcome to the podcast of the Vine Church in Fullerton, California. For more information, visit thevineoc.com. Amen. Well, hey, good morning again. Hope you're doing well. Uh, before we jump into the sermon, I want to share just a brief update. Last uh, week, I shared that um, my doctors had found some concerning tissue on my gums, and so I had that biopsied, got the results back this past week, and thankfully, good news, no cancer. So that is a huge relief. So yeah, praise God. <laughs> praise God. So super thankful. Thank you for your prayers for those who are praying. Yeah, praise God. So thank you so much. Uh, well, just to jump in here, uh, I want to talk to you today about the greatest invitation of your life. Uh, I'll set it up like this. Think think with me for a moment. Who is your favorite celebrity? I mean, who would you most love to meet? Who would you most love to spend time with if, if you had a chance? So just think about whoever that is. Now, if you're into basketball, I don't know, maybe that's LeBron or Curry, I don't know. Um, if you're into theology, maybe that's N.T. Wright. Um, if you're into music and you're from my era, maybe that's Bono. If you're a little younger, maybe that's Taylor Swift. I have no idea. So, uh, so think of whoever that is for you and imagine that you just logged into Instagram. Now, if you don't have an account, just pretend you do. And, but imagine you, you logged into Instagram and you saw a notification that this person, whoever it is, had just started uh, following you on Instagram. I mean, that would be pretty wild, right? And let's assume it's a legit account. It's not a fake account. Like, it's actually that person. And so then you think, well, this is strange. So you log on to Facebook, and you see friend request from fill-in-the-blank, whoever that person is for you. And with it comes this private message, hey, uh, I would love to chat with you. Could we talk? Here's my cell. Imagine that. Now, now if that happened, what, what would you be thinking? What would you be feeling in that moment, I mean, you would be, well, you'd probably be a little bit shocked, but you'd be ecstatic, right? I mean, you would be blown away. You'd probably be calling people, you know, you'll never believe what just happened. You would be blown away. But I want to suggest to you this morning that we have an even greater friend request on offer through Jesus Christ that puts all those scenarios. Now, I mean, that'd be cool, right? I mean, whoever that is for you, that would be super cool. But this is that we see in this passage from John 15, that we have been invited into a friendship with the God of the universe through Jesus Christ. In John chapter 15, verse 15, Jesus says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. Now, do you realize how radical that is? Maybe if you grew up in church your whole life, that you kind of maybe, the, the, the shock of that maybe is worn off. But this is a radical statement. Think about this. For the God of the universe, the God who created the Milky Way galaxy, just sort of spoke it into existence, just spoke the cosmos into existence, to say, I want to be your friend. That, that is mind-blowing. Jesus says, I have called you friends. Now, when he says that, he's not referring to just sort of casual, a casual acquaintance. In, in our culture, the idea of friend, as, as you may have noticed, kind of been downgraded or kind of watered down a bit, right? So um, I, I recently read an article in USA Today written by a professor, or at least he was interviewed, and he said, quote, I have students who tell me they have 500 friends, but when they're in need, there is no one. 
you see, our understanding of friend has kind of been watered down to kind of just this casual acquaintance. But when Jesus uses the word friend, he's referring to something much deeper. He's talking about a deep, a close, a personal, an intimate relationship. And in Greek, it's actually the same word that would have been used for a best man at a wedding. So this is like your best man, your homie, like the person you would rely on. It's just this idea of tremendous closeness. And it's also the same word for someone who would be part of a king's inner circle. So think of a, a king, you know, uh, back in the day, or maybe think of like Queen Elizabeth or something, that a, that a monarch would have sort of, um, you, know, uh, you know, thousands or maybe millions of subjects, and, 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 but just a, a few close friends, right? And, and so this is an idea of being an intimate, trusted friend. And so what Jesus is inviting us into in this passage is really into his inner circle, which is really the friendship that exists is the heart of the triune God. He's inviting us behind the scenes. And this is a radical invitation. Uh, I recently uh, in, got invited to a small gathering for someone who, at least in, in some circles, is a Christian celebrity. I, mean, I felt so honored. Like, like wow, like, they, they really value me. Like, they, they really value that friendship but imagine the honor. I mean, think about this. Again, the shock is worn off for too many of us. I mean, imagine the honor. Imagine the privilege of getting into the inner circle, being invited into the inner circle, again, of the God of the universe. I mean, if we're not shocked by this, if we're not moved by this, we don't get it. We don't get it. It's radical stuff. And even it's, you see that even more so when you think about this in the context of the history of religions. Uh, there, there is no religion, on, no other religion on planet Earth that makes this offer, that makes this claim. It, it's not there. And, and, and in the Old Testament, there were a few people who were referred to as friends of God, but they were few and far between. So there's uh, Moses, he was a friend of God. Abraham, uh, David w- was a friend of God. Uh, the Bible says a guy named Enoch was a friend of God, but there just weren't a whole lot of these people. And in the spirituality of that context, they sort of saw this sort of relationship as intimate, as, as limited rather, to sort of a spiritual elite, kind of the, the few. But here comes Jesus on the scene. Again, the Son of God, the, the Word of God made flesh. And he says, I no longer call you servants. I have called you friends. It's just amazing. Now, it's one thing to acknowledge this invitation, sort of kind of at a surface level, but it's another thing to really let that sink down and to really believe it and, and to really live out of this reality. So just to help us with this, I, I want to ask you to think about something with me. When you think about God, what comes to mind for you? When you, when you think about God, how, how do you think of him? Uh, is it a title? It could be Lord, Savior, king. Those are all true. Um, maybe it's an adjective like powerful or wise or, or loving. What, what, what comes to mind for you? Now, if you were to kind of boil this down, I think there are kind of three main ways that people tend to think about God. And often this maps onto different stages and a person's spiritual journey, at least in mine. And so, so for example, sometimes people think of God as um, sort of almost more of a genie figure, more of a consultant, if you will. And, and this is how I thought about God at the start of my spiritual journey. So, for example, when I needed something, when I needed help, I, I went to God. Lord, help! You know, if you just come through this once, 
I'll really serve you. <laughs> and then he shows mercy, and then, but then I just kind of, you know, forget, out of sight, out of mind. Uh, but then I get in trouble again, and then so I seek him out again, Lord, help, you know. He comes through again, but then like, oh, okay, thanks, see you later, you know, and kind of out of sight, out of mind. So this kind of this, this, kind of this you know, cycle just continues, but that's more like a consultant relationship. A consultant is someone you only call when you need help, when you need advice, right? Um, but then later in, in my journey, I got serious about Jesus. And so even if I wouldn't have used this language, I think I thought of God more as my boss, now, I would have used the language of Lord and, and thought of myself as his servant, and that's, again, that's all true. Um, but I would have, at this time, conceived of my relationship with Christ more as an employer-employee relationship. And, and by that, I mean that, you know, well, he expects things of me, and, and so I want to do a good job. I, you know, want to make, make him proud. I want to impress him. Uh, I don't want to let him down. But more kind of the, the real inner dynamics is almost more like an employer-employee relationship. A lot of fear of messing up, and but you have to know like that's, that's a very different dynamic than a friendship, right? But I, I'm now in a place, and this has been a real journey, where I'm trying to live out of this reality of Jesus as my friend, and and I'm not I'm not totally there yet, but that's that's what I'm really trying to live out of this reality that Jesus says, "You are my friends." I no longer call you servants, but friends. Now, when Jesus says that, what does he mean? Um, does this mean that we're no longer called to serve Christ? No, he doesn't say you no longer are servants. He says, I no longer call you servants. What's the difference? So we are still to serve Christ, and, and we our hope as followers of Jesus is at the end of our life that, that we will hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. So we're, we're still servants. But what Jesus is communicating in this passage is that the primary way he wants us to relate to him and conceive of our identity with respect to him is not as servants, although that's true, but actually as friends. And so he's saying, yes, you will still serve me, but I want you to do it from a place of friendship. I want to let you in on the inside. I, I want to be your friend. and I want you to be my friend. And it's an amazing invitation. And that offer, that invitation is available to everyone here today. Jesus doesn't just want to be your boss. He, he doesn't, definitely doesn't just want to be your consultant. He, he wants to be your friend. And I want to suggest that growing in this sort of relationship is actually the number one purpose of your life and mine. God didn't put us on the planet just to do stuff, just to kind of check items off our to-do list. He didn't put us on this planet just to pay bills or, I don't know, watch reality TV. He put us on this planet because he wants us to know and love him. That is the number one goal for your life and mine. And if we miss that, we will miss, actually, the purpose of our lives. Even if you're insta-famous. If you're insta-famous, but if you don't have a friendship with God, you will have missed the purpose of your life. If you're successful, if you're accomplished in the eyes of the world, but you do not have a friendship with God, you will have missed the purpose for your life. And what's crazy is you can even have, quote unquote, success in ministry and actually not be living as a friend of God. That's possible. The goal of your life and mine is to live as a friend of God through Jesus Christ. And so Jesus says, don't miss it. I want you to be my friend. So in the, in the time we have left, I want to explore just two, two things. And, and the first is, what does this friendship that Jesus invites us into, what does that look like? And then secondly, how can we grow in this sort of 
friendship, this sort of relationship. So what does it look like and how can we grow in it? Now, there are two things we see in this passage that tell us something about the nature of this friendship. And, and the first is self-giving love. That the friendship that, that Jesus invites us into, that right at the heart of it, is self-giving love. Now, imagine you um, had a friend and, and they only came to you. The only time they ever called you was when they needed something. What kind of relationship would that be? Not a very good one, right? That would be more of a user relationship, right? That wouldn't be really a, a friendship, right? Because really right at the heart of a friendship is this idea of self-giving love. And not just one way, but actually kind of this mutuality of love, of self-giving love. That is really right at the heart of, of a really true and deep friendship. And in verse 13, Jesus says, he says, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. So he's telling us that a true friend is someone who's willing to put themselves out there for you, who's willing to give even sacrificially. Now, what's interesting is that when I was a kid, I thought God just wanted things from me, in particular, my fun. (laughs) But it turns out, you know, I kind of saw God kind of through the lens of, I don't know, like, the 1980s SNL skit, The Church Lady, you know, kind of like this distorted, kind of really up, overly uptight kind of view of, of, of God and, and, and what he wanted for our lives. And uh, so I just totally missed it. I, I thought he just wanted things from me. Turns out, I, I've discovered he's actually the big giver. He's actually the big giver. And, and interesting, when Jesus is saying these things that to his disciples, this is on the eve of his passion, of his death on the cross. And, and what he's alluding to here is that, that his death on the cross. And so, what we see through that is that Jesus actually proved that he is the ultimate friend because he, he gave it all. He laid down his life for his friends. He, he laid down his life so you and I actually could enter into this kind of friendship and relationship with him. And, and so he is the big giver. And right at the heart of this friendship, however, is self-giving love. That's the first thing. Here's the second. The second thing that really characterizes this sort of friendship that Jesus invites us into, and it's this. That he lets us in. He lets us in. What do I mean by that? Let's look again at verse 15. Jesus says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. Note this, for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. So Jesus is saying, you're not just my servants because if you're just a servant, then uh, you're not going to know the heart uh, of the one you serve. You're not going to know what they're really thinking, right? They're just going to maybe give you some orders, uh, but you're not going to know what's really going on inside, right? Uh, but he's saying, look, I'm letting you in. I haven't left you in the dark. I've shared with you about my father's business, about my father's heart. I'm telling you secrets. I'm confiding in you. You're not a mere servant. I'm calling you friends. You see, he's letting them in, he's letting us in. And, and so think of, you know, a powerful ruler or some sort of monarch. You know, their servants, again, they'd simply be told what to do. They wouldn't have this kind of access. They wouldn't be taken into that ruler's confidence, right? They wouldn't know what he's thinking or she's thinking or their concerns or their joys or their secrets or their burdens. But Jesus is telling us that we have that kind of access through him. He's letting us in. And uh, we see this idea also actually in in Psalm 25, verse 14. And I want to read to you a few different translations because each has its own nuance. 
And so in the NIV translation, it says the Lord confides, again, this is this idea of letting us in, the Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. Uh, now let's look at a couple other translations. So the, also the NASB puts it like this. The secret of the Lord is for those who fear him. The ESV says the friendship of the Lord is for those who, who, who fear him. Now, which one is right? Well, I actually think they all are because they are all capturing part of what is really uh, packed into this idea that, 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 that the scripture is communicating here, that, that friendship, and in this case, God's friendship involves him confiding in us his secrets, his deepest thoughts. It involves him letting us in. And, and so in light of that, so again, so this is the heart of God. Again, creator of the universe, and he wants to let us in. This amazing offer, amazing invitation. And so in light of that, one of the things that makes me so sad is um, when I talk to people or I see things on TV, there, there's, a, there's so many people in our culture who have a hunger for this, actually, but they don't know it. They, and, and they're actually going to the wrong source. So they have some sort of deeper hunger for some sort of, I don't know, spiritual revelation or deeper insight into life. And so they're like, well, I guess I'm going to go to a psychic or a clairvoyant or a medium or a tarot card reader or fill in the blank. And there's this hunger, uh, but they're going to what the Bible would tell us is actually sort of a counterfeit source. And, and, and what the Bible says and what Jesus says is that, look, if you become my friend, you don't have to pay tons of money to these sorts of people. You know, come to me and get false advice. Actually, come to me and I will let you in on your destiny. I will tell you the purpose of your life. I will tell you the reason I created you. He says, come to me. I want to let you in. You don't have to pay some guy or some woman on the street. Just come to me. I will let you in. That is God's heart. He has deep things in his heart that he wants to share with you and me as his friends. I, uh, one of the things I found is that the deeper I go in my friendship with Jesus, actually the more he confides in me. It's this really interesting reality. And it's actually been kind of like an adventure. Like the more I get close to Jesus, like the more he confides in me and shares with me. And I, I know some people who are so close to Jesus, it's like he confides in them so much. And if I'm honest, it like provokes me to a holy jealousy. I mean, seriously, there, I mean, I have some friends who they'll like walk into this room and God will just start confiding in them about what's going on in the lives of some people in the room and they'll go pray for them. Not to be a looky loo, but just say, hey, God wants to bring his mercy and encouragement in your life. I'm like, wow. That is so cool. I'll share a story along these lines. A pastor friend of mine uh, just shared this. Um, a couple of his friends went to this train station just, just a block away, and they decided, you know, we're going to walk around, and we're just going to offer to pray with people and see what happens. And uh, so they would walk up to someone, in this case a guy who was sitting on a bench, and they said, you know, uh, hi, I'm so-and-so, and, and uh, we're, just, we're Christians, and we're just offering to pray for people. Is there anything we can pray for you for? And the guy's like, Nope. No thanks. Just zero interest. And in that moment, one of these Christian guys, it's like the Lord confided something in him. And he shared that. And so, so this Christian man asked the gentleman on the bench, he said, what about those nightmares you've been having the past eight years? And what about that dark presence that comes and stands next to your bed and his eyes got big as saucers? And he said, uh, and he said can we pray for that? And he's, it's like, uh, yeah. So they prayed for this man in this moment and he was set free of something and he came to faith like right then and there. Free him like, wow, God, I would love for you to confide in me like that. 
I, do, I want to know your heart, God. I, I want more of you. Like, so for me, like, when I hear things like this, oh, that just provokes me to this holy jealousy. Like, God, I want more of you. I want to be so close to your heart that you can feel like you can trust me at that level. So for me, I don't know, I, 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 that encourages me. I hope that encourages you. But again, part of the second part of this friendship that, that Jesus invites us into is him letting us in. And by the way, I have to say, if you're bored with your Christian life, the answer is not more activity. It's not a new program. It's not running harder on the treadmill of the Christian life. It is actually deeper intimacy with Jesus Christ. The cure for boredom in your life is deeper intimacy with Jesus Christ. I guarantee it. I, I just, I guarantee it. I guarantee it. So that's a freebie. <laughs> <laughs> So two features of this friendship, self-giving love and, and Jesus letting us in, sharing his heart with us. So for this last part of the sermon, as we kind of wind down, I want to explore, because I don't want to just leave this at the level of theology. I want to explore how do we actually grow in this? How do we grow in this friendship? Because this is where the rubber meets the road, okay? So here's the first thing. Make this a priority. Make this a priority. You have to know you will never drift into a deep friendship with Jesus Christ. You just won't. I mean, we've got so many cultural currents and distractions coming. I mean, you just, you're not going to just kind of slip into a deep friendship with Jesus or anyone else for that matter. By the way, my, my wife and I, we're not going to have a thriving marriage just by happenstance. Well, we just woke up one day. What do you know? We have a thriving marriage. No, we have to invest. We have to be intentional. We have to make our marriage, our relationship a priority. Otherwise, everything else will just pull us away from that, right? And so you have to make this a priority. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. There's this idea of making him your priority. In Philippians 3 verse 8, the Apostle Paul said this. He said, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of what? Knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage. And that's actually a polite translation. I won't tell you the the uncensored translation. That I may gain Christ. That's the first thing. Make this a priority. Here's the second key to building a deep friendship with God. Uh, Spend time with him. (laughs) Your friendship with God is like any other friendship. You have to make time for it. And if you don't, there just won't be much of a friendship, right? In Psalm 46.10, the Bible says, be still. And that means just kind of slow down and know that I am God. We need times Coming to church is awesome. We need that. But also, in addition to that, we need times during the week when we can slow down and, and be still and, and know that he is God. So important. I once heard it said that children spell love T-I-M-E. And so I got thinking, what if God spelled and really your love for him T-I-M-E? Time. That's the second thing. Here's the third the third key to building a deep friendship with Jesus. And that is, and this might be a new idea for you, to enjoy him. So some of you, when we talk about spending time with God, for you that sounds like doing time. <laughs> like serving a sentence. No, this is not about enduring God. This is about enjoying him. Enjoying the most glorious person in the universe. And, and maybe that's an, a new thought. Maybe you've got a lot of baggage from growing up. I don't, I don't know where you're coming from today. But this is actually about enjoying a person. So friends, they, they enjoy each other's company, right? Uh, think, of, think of your best friend, whether this is someone in your life now or maybe someone from the past. Think of that relationship. 
And, and, and let me ask, what were you best friends for? Were you best friends for the purpose of serving that person? Now, you would serve that person, of course, in a heartbeat, because you love them. But is that the purpose of the friendship? Is that what it's about? No. We have our best friends for the pleasure it brings us to be with them, for, for how we feel when we're in their presence. So in John 15, Jesus says to his disciples, basically, we're in a new point in our relationship, and I want you to enjoy me like a friend. I don't want you just to serve me out of duty or compulsion. I want you to think of me as a friend. I want you to feel my pleasure in you. That is the kind of dynamic and relationship he wants us to live our lives out of but crucial to growing in this sort of friendship is, is taking time to be with him and enjoy him. And so let me ask, do you ever do that? Do you ever take time just to enjoy his presence? Not to get something, not to get a new biblical insight, not to get an answer to prayer, but just to be with him. And if you've never tried that, I encourage you, your homework this week, set aside five minutes, set a timer on your phone if you're new to this kind of thing, just say, God, I want to be with you. I want to enjoy your presence. Here I am. Just see what happens. Set aside five minutes. See what happens. And, and I want to tell you, if you actually begin to practice this, this will change your life. This has absolutely transformed my life. Before that, it was all about, again, God is more like my boss. Okay, God, we got a lot of stuff to get done, and this person needs this, and I need this, and the church needs this, and blah, blah, blah. It's just like this list. Like It's almost like we're multitasking, but never taking the time to stop and just... God, I just want to be with you. And think of think if you're in his shoes. People were only coming to you just in this place of hurry and worry, and, and they never took time to really just acknowledge, hey, I love you. You are amazing. I just want to be with you. See, we are missing out on so much when we don't take time to enjoy God. So that's the third thing. The fourth, the fourth key is ongoing conversation. And I, I mentioned that in the Old Testament, there are a few people who were referred to as, as friends of God. And Moses was one of them. And in Exodus chapter 33, verse 11, it says that the Lord would speak to Moses face to face. And just this image of intimacy as one speaks to a friend. And that is just a beautiful picture of the kind of friendship that God has for us. But notice that central to this and central to Moses' friendship and relationship with God was ongoing conversation. I once heard uh, Pete Gregg, who's the founder of the 24-7 prayer movement, I once heard him ask, he said, what if all this stuff of Christianity was as simple as you and God walking and talking together? What if that was really just at the heart of it? That, that's really what we see here. Moses was a friend of God who lived his life in conversation with him as his friend. And, and so here's how, how we can live this out, just in coming weeks, coming days, coming months, Whatever comes your way, the highs, the lows, just walk with God. Just talk with him about it, just openly, just, just as you would a friend. That's, it's very simple. So that's the fourth thing, and here's the last thing, number five. Trust God in your pain. Now, this is the hardest one for, for so many of us, and, and uh, as a pastor, I just know there, there are some of you here today, uh, and you're probably stuck in your friendship with God right here because of pain, because of hurt, because of confusion, maybe because of disappointment with God. And, 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 and really, this can be so challenging, but the invitation is to trust God in your pain. Because really, again, think of it, friends, friends trust each other. Friends go through things, but friends trust each other. And every friendship is built on trust. And that's true with 
your friendship with God as well. And so that means that even when things don't make sense, even when the things around you or your life is falling apart, the invitation, the call is to trust God in your pain. And I don't know what you're going through today, and I know some of you are going through some really heavy things. But really, we, we all face a choice. Will we trust God or not amidst our pain? And, and, and really, there's kind of two ways we can go when we're in one of these really difficult situations. It's either a breakdown or a breakthrough. And really, the way forward is through trusting God, even when things don't make sense. And, and part of how you do that is just by being honest with him. For me, the Psalms have been an awesome model of this. You see the psalmist just pouring his heart out to God when he's lonely, when he's anxious, when he's angry, and when he's excited and joyful. So no matter what you're going through, the invitation is just to bring your heart to God, to trust him amidst that, to bring your fears, to bring your frustrations, even to bring your anger, to bring that to him and, and to trust him through that. That is how we move forward. And uh, I, I've been through, I won't take the time to share stories, but I've been through some, 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 some hard things in my life. And I went through a season when I was in seminary where I went through such deep pain that I, I, I almost lost my faith. By God's grace, I didn't. But it was such deep, deep pain. Uh, I almost did, but I made it through. And one of the things I've come to uh, is just that there's a lot of things I think I find like the older I get, the more I realize I don't know, the more that I don't, don't understand. And so there's like a lot of mystery in life for me, a lot of mystery. But there are a few things I feel like I know. This is like rock salt for me. God is good. God is trustworthy. God is faithful. Like I, I will take that to the bank. Like Job, I always go back to Job. And Job, by the way, he went through more than any of us could imagine. But what he said was, though he slay me, I will trust him. Though he slay me. You hear the heart in that? He's like, this is crazy. I don't know what's going on, but I know God. He's good, and I'm just going to trust him, and I'm going to keep putting one foot in front of the other. That is the invitation when we're going through these times. I know some of you are struggling right now, so I want to share a story just of someone who went through some intense pain but found a friendship with Jesus somehow in the midst of that. This is a, sh- a story shared by a guy named Jack Deere. Some of you know him. He uh, was a, a seminary professor once upon a time. He uh, was a pastor. He's authored some amazing books, and he's seen God do amazing things. Like he's seen God do miracles, but he's also gone through some of the deepest pain you can imagine. And um, somebody forwarded, who's a close friend of his, forwarded me an email he shared when he was kind of just journaling some things. And I think it's now in a book, but um, he's sharing about his journey of recovering after the death of his son who took his own life. And um, I'll just read you a lengthy quote. He says, all of our friends were useless. If you haven't lost a child the way we lost a child, you can't understand. We tried counseling. The day we buried Scott, the person said that we'd received a severe mercy. What is the mercy? Two weeks after we buried Scott, my mercy arrived. I was just trying to save my life from this abyss of insanity. His death was all I could think of. Then the bill for the funeral arrived. It was $10,064.69, and they wanted payment immediately. That same day, a sack full of mail arrived, sympathy cards, 38 cards, and those 38 cards had 22 checks in them, one check for each year of Scott's life. I opened the cards and added up the checks. They totaled $10,064. The voice said, I paid for his death, I paid for his life, and I will pay for everything you need the rest of your life. That's what my father's love feels like 
Most of my life, I tried to be significant. Now I was feeling significant apart from my performance. Maybe all Jesus ever wanted was a friend. Wish I could say that the sun started shining in my life again. God did not remove my pain. The death of my son was the darkest, hardest 10 years of my life. We retreated from the world. We lived in a cave. My son's death was the door to that cave. We crept in further and further, trying to escape the pain, the insanity of it all. The death of my son was also the door to a deeper walk with God. Two years ago, he says, I found Jesus in the cave with me. He was just sitting there, but I knew that I was not alone in my pain. Joy came back into my life. John lived in a cave on Patmos at the end of his life. Even if we retreat to a cave, Jesus will come and find us, get us, and take us out of that cave to a party that will never end. Amazing story, heavy story. I share that to give you a sense that Jesus wants to be your friend no matter what you're going through in the highs and the lows, everything in between, and that you can trust him even in your deepest pain. Now, as we wrap up, I'd just like to invite the band to come back up. What we've seen uh, is that Jesus, the eternal word of God, he longs for nothing more than to be your friend, for you to live out of that identity as his friend. And that's, that's why he came. But as we close, I just, I just want to underscore something. If you've been in church, you may know this, but if you're new, you might not. And it's that you can't, this kind of friendship that we're talking about, you can't buy it. Uh, you can't earn it. Uh, you can't be good enough to, 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 to kind of merit a friendship with God. You can't bribe God or bargain with God. You, you can't do anything to have a friendship with God except this one thing, to receive it as a gift based on what Jesus did for you. On the cross, he paid for your sins so you could have forgiveness and a restored relationship with God through him. It's God's grace and Jesus' mercy and sacrifice. And so I just want to invite us just to close our eyes for a moment and just uh, turn our hearts to God in prayer. And, and I don't know where you're at today. If you're here today, if you've, maybe you've been in church, but you've never actually entered into a friendship, a real relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to give you an offer, an invitation to respond. And so if that's where you are, even if you're listening online, um, you can just pray this simple prayer. You say, Lord Jesus, I give you my life. Lord Jesus, I give you my life. Would you forgive me? And teach me to live as your friend. And for all of us here, Lord, we thank you that you're the God who pursues us, God. And that you have made the way so we could be your friends, God. I pray for all of us here, God, that you would teach us how to be your friends. Lord, I pray this summer uh, that this would be a summer where we have some good times and some refreshing um, and maybe some cool vacations. But more than anything, God, this time, would you take us deeper individually and as a people in our relationship with you? And may we be through that, be transformed. We thank you, God. Amen. Just take a moment. I know Lord's probably speaking to some of you even now. And so just take a moment, just just stay in this posture of silent prayer and um, just what is God saying to you now?
What is your next step in your friendship with God? Let's just take a moment to reflect. Then we'll continue in worship.